Welcome to the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. We are two math teachers who, together with you, the community of educators worldwide, want to build and deliver math lessons that spark engagement, fuel learning, and ignite teacher action. Welcome to the first ever episode of Making Math Moments That Matter. Are you ready to do this, Kyle? I am so ready. I'm ready to dive right in. So, John, our friends at home are probably wondering, why are we starting a podcast anyway? What's going on here? Uh, The why behind this podcast is centered on our current journey to make math moments that matter to our students every day. After years of having great lesson one day and a total flop the next, you know, we set out to try and figure out what factors into the success of a great math lesson. You know, we we knew that uh, it couldn't come down to luck. We can create these moments uh, for our students. But, you know, Kyle, the, the big question for us and everybody is how can we do this? Yeah, like in this first episode of the podcast, we're hoping to spend some time sharing a bit about ourselves and sort of why we decided to do this podcast has actually been on our to do list for a number of years now. Um, and, and basically what we're going to do is share out this thing we call the making math moments that matter three part framework that we've created. And really, we created it to help ourselves increase our chances of making these memorable math moments every single day for for our own students. And we're hoping it'll help some others uh, that are listening from home. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped uh, to dive into all that. But, you know, in the next three episodes, we're going to unpack each of these individual parts of the framework to hopefully give you an understanding of how these pieces can be put together to make awesome lessons that students, you know, they don't want it to end. That's so awesome. Uh, so, well, before we go any further, though, John, I, th- I think we should take a couple minutes to introduce ourselves. So uh, why don't you go ahead first? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where are you from? Uh, what's your position? And sort of, you know, tell us a little bit about your family. So, yeah, Kyle, I uh, I live in Tilbury, Ontario, Canada. Uh, it's a tiny town right on the 401 uh, by Windsor, pretty close to you. We live pretty close together, as you know, but uh, everyone listening here, you know, doesn't probably know that. Uh, I am a high school math teacher. I teach, uh, f- you know, three classes a day. We're semestered. I have right now a senior level math class. I have two uh, applied level math classes. And for those of you not in Ontario, applied level math classes are our high school students in grades nine and 10 who, you know, traditionally uh, have been told year after year in elementary school that they're probably not awesome at math. They're not, they're not like at these high academic achieving levels. Um, those are my, uh, those are my classes that I have right this semester. My family, I, I live with uh, three wonderful kids, Jules, Lucy, and Olivia. I have twins. Uh, they're eight right now. And uh, the, the older one is 10 years old and my wonderful wife, Scarlett, um, you know, and and when I think about my my uh, my teaching, is that in my history of teaching, is that I you know I was I was a very typical high school math teacher. I was I was the teacher that uh, you probably had in high school for a long time. I I taught and modeled my teaching after all of my high school teachers. Um, I was the teacher that you know uh, probably got mad at you for not doing your homework. Uh, every single night. Uh, I was the teacher that had, uh, you know, every two weeks was a test no matter what. Uh, I was the teacher that, uh, you know, probably uh, stood at the front, 
gave all the examples every single day. And then you're, you're saying probably John, but let's be honest here. Is it a probably, or was it a for sure? Yeah, no, like I, I did all these things for sure. Uh, <laughs> I guess, I guess I'm not sure is why I'm saying probably, but uh, you know, uh, after I was, you know, when I first started teaching it, like many early teachers, they're probably told, you know, you got to put in your dues. Like that was a phrase that, you know, I remember being told, Early on, I'm pretty sure you had that same phrase told to you when you first started teaching. Uh, what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, totally. And I, I, it resonates. Your story resonates, and I, I think that's sort of how we uh, we sort of connected along the way. Is you know everything you said. Uh, I'm just picturing myself. I wasn't picturing you. Um, you know, being upset about that incomplete homework or standing up at the front and doing all of the talking and and really all of the thinking. Um, for my students, um, you know, I'm, I'm now a K through 12 math consultant, uh, pretty fresh out of the classroom, uh, it, coming out of the secondary panel. However, I've spent these last couple of years really focusing from K to eight. And uh, I just realize now how much of that information, like how much of that learning, that math conceptual understanding I could have put to use in my own grade nine classes. And just like you said, uh, you know, I had to put in my time, like, uh, early in my career, I was given a lot of these classes that most teachers aren't too excited to teach because, like you had already said, you know these are these are students who are going into these courses that have really disengaged from math based on uh, either their parents telling them that they're not good at math or. You know, I, I know their elementary teachers didn't tell them they weren't good at math, but their assessment, you know, did the, the report card, the grade on the report card certainly told them they weren't so great at math. And, you know, they weren't exactly the most enjoyable classes to teach. And, and really what I realized was a lot of it had to do with, with how I was going about it. And, uh, and, you know, I, I, listening to you, I'm just sort of nodding here going like, Oh yeah, that's me. That's definitely me. For sure. And you know, and I, and I was given those classes early on and the, you know, the applied level classes. And I was of the same mindset of those teachers as like, Oh, I've got to put in my dues with these classes so that eventually I can have the high academic classes. Like I'll be honest. uh, I'm sure I am like most high school math teachers who, you know, got into teaching, uh, probably because they really liked math and, and it, and it was the, the teaching was something that we could do with our math. And I, and I'll be honest, that's, that's one of the main reasons I got into teaching math is I really liked doing math and showing kids how to do math. But when I got into teaching, it was like how to just do math, um, not think about math. And, and so when I'm thinking about those classes, I was, I was teaching those for like three, you know, three or four years. Um, and I was, I was pulling my hair out. I, re- I remember, I remember not enjoying going to school every day. I remember thinking, I don't know if I can do this for my career. Um, I felt, I felt like every class like that was rough. Like they were, they were not like the kids that I was ready for or used to. Uh, and, and after three years of that, I said to my department head, I said, I don't want to teach these kids anymore. Can you change the, my class load? I need, I need something different. Um, and I, and after saying that out loud, I realized that I shouldn't have to say that, you know, I, I shouldn't have to say that in, in this, this field, like that is not the mindset that I should be having. And, and that was one of my first realizations that I needed to do something about what I'm doing in the class, mostly because I hated going to school every day 
during that time, it was just not an enjoyable experience. Hey, Math Moment Makers, Kyle here, and I've got just a quick message specifically for our district-level mathematics decision makers out there. Do you feel like you're spinning your wheels when making district-level goals for mathematics programming from kindergarten through grade 12? Setting new goals each year only to find little to no real shift in pedagogical practice or educator content knowledge across the district as a whole? Take a moment to book a short call with our team so we can learn more about your specific district and educator learning needs in mathematics so we can assist you in taking the first step of many in the right direction. Visit makemathmoments.com forward slash district to book a web call with our team today. We have a limited number of spots for districts just like yours, so don't wait. Head to makemathmoments.com forward slash district and grab a spot in our calendar now. Right, right. And, and for me as well, uh, you know, I've, I, again, I'm sitting here saying, yeah, that like that's my story. And, and oftentimes newer teachers tend to get those courses that, you know, most teachers aren't really looking forward to, to teaching. And I'll be honest, in, in, in those early years, like, how could you blame? Like, I couldn't blame you, John, for feeling the way you did because I had a lot of students coming in and, and just like you could feel the negativity um, in the air. And, uh, and I mean, I was trying my best. I'm sure you were trying your best based on what I knew, but how, you know, when you think about it, like, you know, you, you nailed it. Like we got into this, especially secondary math teachers. Uh, I always find like for us, we actually have a, a, like a much greater challenge than our elementary colleagues. And the reason I say that is because as a secondary math teacher, typically what that means is, you went through and, and the, the traditional system, that traditional classroom worked for us. Um, so we don't know like that same struggle that a lot of these students face uh, in these classes. And, and it makes it really difficult for us to relate. So whereas my elementary colleagues, some of them went through and they love reading and they love literacy, but maybe they aren't so you know fond of math. And, and I think some of those teachers have a huge, huge advantage because they actually can relate with some of these students who, who are struggling with some of these, uh, these ideas in mathematics. For sure. For sure. And, uh, you know, sometimes I wish I had those experiences so that we could relate, um, especially back then. Um, and, and, you know, like when I had that, that realization that I had to do something to make this change, otherwise I wasn't going to make it. Um, I, 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 I started to seek out, uh, other teachers that were doing something different, you know, like, like I, I was a teacher that was very traditional, but I also was a teacher that would try stuff. I would, uh, you know, I, I would be the first teacher that would like, you know, we have this, uh, we have these new clickers that, uh, are coming into the system. And do you remember the clickers, Cal? Ours were CPS. Yeah. I don't know what it was yours. Same CPS. type or exactly I don't know CPS. Yeah. CPS. And it was like, I'll try those in my class. Classroom performance system, I think it That's was. That's exactly right. And it was like, and, and, and it was part of that was like, I have to do something different here. And, and my first, my first changes were trying to engage my students like that. It was, uh, uh, there was a smart board kicking around the school. I was like, I will, I will try that. Um, so I was a, I was a trier of things just so that I could do something 
different in my class. And, you know, my, I, I would try these technique, uh, technical things, uh, uh, you know, I, we, with some, some engagement success, but I would say like the mi- first major change, uh, with my classroom, uh, was when I first saw Marion small talk about open questions at a workshop. And, and I thought, you know, this switching of like, of, of the questions around, like covering up answers or covering up questions, uh, numbers and questions, uh, and, or giving kids answers and asking them to come up with questions or giving kids questions that had multiple answers to it. Like this, this was something that I, I got into quite heavy, uh, with my grade nine right. applied class for sure. Like I, I bought a set of whiteboards, like uh, just per, little whiteboards that would sit on the desk. And I asked open question after open question and the engagement level with my kids skyrocketed just there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I you know, thinking back to my first few years, uh, you know, actually uh, I, I didn't go into uh, into a little bit of my own, uh, my own details about where I live. And I, I live in Bell River, as, as you sort of alluded to just down the road from, uh, from Tilbury where you are. And I taught at the high school in Bell River, um, not not originally from here, but uh, but my wife and I moved out here, and and now we have our two uh, two beautiful children, Tally and Landon, six and four. Um, but in my first year, you were talking about the technology piece and the smart board. And for me, my first year teaching, we didn't have any smart boards in the building, but we did have two projectors. And uh, you could you could rent them out or loan them from sign, the library. Sign them out on the sign yeah. sheet. Yeah. So I would, I would go into the library every single morning and they were in a locker there, you know, they had these two lockers and you basically, you know, I don't go in and, and take this projector and bring it into your classroom. And, you know, the, the resolution was, you know, uh, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, probably like nothing better than a Commodore, you know, Commodore computer right. type thing. Uh, but I, I took that thing out every day. And then eventually I, I went to a point where I just, I signed it out for the whole year, which you're not supposed to do, but I just put my name down the entire sheet and took it with me. And, you know, so, so I, I feel like, you know, we, we definitely relate on that level that like th- there was something not right for us. And, and I knew that 30 years of this was not going to cut it for me. So I started kicking around with the technology and I went pretty deep. I actually ended up getting a, an iPad cart, uh, one of the first iPad classrooms here in Ontario uh, through a grant. And uh, and I thought that was going to change everything. And, and it was fun. It was great. Kids loved it. Um, but, you know, there, there was just the math. There was something missing about the math lesson. And uh, you talked about Marion Small. Like for me, that that pivotal moment where I decided, or I didn't really decide to be honest. I, I sort of, you know, my, my brain switched for me is when I saw Dan Meyer present and this idea of a three act math task. That's when, you know, like that serious change in my thinking about how I was going to actually teach math and, uh, you know, not just with, you know, bringing technology in and the CPS units, like you said, this was like foundationally changing how I was thinking about math and how I like, I, it, it rocked my world. And even though I didn't fully understand it um, and I, I, and I'm still working on it um, you know, that was something that for me was like the game changer. And I was like this, I can do this. And and there's, we can do some pretty cool stuff in math. Once I saw that it was like, boom, gates opened. And I was like, you know, suddenly I was like, there's going to be a way to figure this thing out. 
For sure. Uh, I have to totally agree to that. Uh, and I think you were the first person that pointed uh, me in the direction of Dan Meyer and uh, showing me some of those those uh, videos from way back uh, and the lessons that went with them. I think uh, I, I definitely have to thank you for that because I also felt it was a game changer in in what I was doing. Um, you know, I was I was doing the open questions on the whiteboards, but then when that came in, um, I'm like, ah, oh, this, this is going to be, you know, this is, and, you know, and, I'll, and for sure, I'll, I'll be honest is I, I looked at it totally as an engagement piece for my students. Um, I can show them this thing. And it's just like, I was so curious to try to answer these questions. I, I knew that they would, and they were, and, and Dan, you know, he does a great job of setting up, uh, the, that curiosity, uh, you know, and, and I, and I know, uh, I think you had a similar experience as when I first started teaching those lessons. Uh, I didn't know how to do it. You know, I, I thought, you know, I have this act one video and, and I'm going to play act one and I'm going to say, kids, uh, what's, what kind of math question can we pull from this? This is, I think I, I, I said those words or I, I would say like, what, what does, what makes it, you know, what do you wonder about, uh, about seeing this video? And, uh, and then I, and then I had to take it from there. I, I, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, it was very clunky in the, in the way that, that proceeded and and I wasn't sure exactly how to do it early on. And, and I know that, uh, I think you had some similar experiences like that. Yeah. And it's funny because I think to myself and I, and I wonder, um, you know, you and I have had had a number of uh, opportunities to chat with Dan, um, you know, since then and, and really most recently, and, you know, something I would, I would love to ask him the next time we, we bump into him is, just asking, you know, were, were we just not hearing the whole message, you know, like, did we just miss all of these key details or, you know, was he working on it at that time still? Like, was he still trying to wrap his, his, his mind around it? I, I have a funny feeling that he was probably pretty clear, um, but it was so outside of the scope of what, you know, we like could even perceive in our minds that like we only saw this really interesting video and we just were like, you know, our brains just shut down from there and we're like, we're doing that. And, you know, I'm sure he was giving all this great guidance on how to do this. Um, but like all I saw was like, got to do that. Let's do it tomorrow. And uh, and boy, like, you know, you and I, um, you know, having having met a number of years ago and, and collaborating online, um, we spun our tires for quite some time, you know, with those hit and miss lessons. Um, and, and I think, I think really at the core of it was just our lack of understanding of, you know, what is necessary in order to like engage students and, and actually help them understand the math. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, 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 and for all of you listening, that's exactly, uh, those questions are exactly why, uh, Kyle and I have, uh, been on a journey to, uh, make math moments that matter for our students. Like we know that these lessons are sometimes successful and sometimes they're flops. And so we want to understand why there's lessons that are flops and why there's lessons that are so successful. Um, and then for me, for sure, in realizing that, you know, when I started those, those lessons, what that were very curious in, in Dan Meyer style, three act math lessons, uh, they were, they were so curious and I was getting that engagement early on. And I know you were getting that engagement early on too, but, uh, I feel like what was, what was missing was actual, like the teaching behind that. Like, how did I, how did I go from like showing this, this curious video clip to having kids 
want to solve a math problem, but then just turn back to the board and go, this is how you solve the math problem. And I just show them and it, and then it kind of loses its, its flavor of, of being curious anymore. I, I just, I just turned and did the same thing I was doing anyway. And, and the kids started to pick up right. on that, that, and, and therefore they didn't, uh, you know, they weren't wondering that much anymore after that first few because they knew that I was just going to show them how to do the math anyway. Yeah. And it sounds, I, th- I think you got out of the gate maybe, you know, on, on a better foot than I did because even right at the beginning, it was like, I'd show this video and it was like, you could see like just in the eyes of the students that, yeah, they were like, they were leaning in, like they were like kind of, you know, wondering like what's going on here. But even just in how I would pose the question, I, w- I would then say, what question do you think this is asking? Right. And like right there, like all like half the class shuts down. And and for the longest time, I just couldn't figure this thing out. And I was wondering, like, why, like, why are they shutting the down? Like they, you could tell they right. were interested. But yeah, there was like, it was like right now they were like, oh, now he want you know, now he wants us like something specific. So, you know, I don't want to take a chance on that. And, um, you know, like I, I felt the same way. And, and one of these other uh, pieces that I'm only making sense of in, in these recent years is that oftentimes like I was pre-teaching lessons and then I would do like a three-act math task like at the end of the lesson. And it was like, I already sort of answered the problem through the lesson I just yeah. taught. So it, it sort of sucked that curiosity out before right. it even began. So just so many pieces that that impact the success of a lesson, like sometimes right from the start. And, uh, and, and you and I, over these last couple of years, like we've, we've spent countless hours and I, I want to say, you know, let, let's not even talk hours. Let's talk days, weeks, months, right. and years trying to kind of formulate like what matters here, because like there's something going on. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Yeah, um, so like John, why don't you share a little bit of what we've sort of landed sure. on here and, and what we'll talk about over these, these next couple episodes, uh, before, we head into uh, some really interesting interviews as well as some mentoring calls um, that we have lined up uh, over the next, uh, the next yeah, like, of weeks. Uh, like, like you just said that uh, like what is going into making these and we call them mo- like, what are the math moments that matter and how can we make math moments uh, that matter that, you know, there, there were those lessons that you did and I did and, and, and that we got from Dan and we started creating our own and, and those there's lessons that kids were remembering, right? Like they were coming back late years later, remembering that that lesson. And what a, what an like what a like a a thank you to me, or you know, like it's just a, I'm you know what I'm trying to say is the yeah, that, that, you're, you're just so so honored uh, that, that, that like, you know, like I had I had I a you know an impact like that on a kid that they remembered a lesson, not only like their class. Because when I think back to high school, like I remember my teacher, um, but I don't remember any specific lesson But for a kid to come back and say that one lesson was, was pretty cool. Um, and they, in the fact that they remembered the math about it was even like more amazing. Um, like how can we make that happen? And, and what you just, you know, said is that we've, we've put together, uh, three big things that we need to include in those lessons. And that's just from our experience from going through this uh, for the last few years and, and building this together. And, you know, one of the, the, the first thing, and I think everyone probably would agree to this, 
uh, and know what, what's coming here. But the first thing is we call it, you know, sparking curiosity. If we can't spark our kids' curiosity uh, to do a math problem, then there's no way that that's going to be memorable for that student. And because you, you think back to all the times that you remember just normal things like um, – you're watching TV and, and you remember a great movie. It's because, you know, maybe it's because you, there was a little bit mysterious element to it and you, and, and it sparked your curiosity to want to know more. And you're, you're hooked into that. Uh, we want to do that for our students. Like how can we spark curiosity regularly uh, with our students? Not just a one-off uh, lesson that happens at the end of a unit or at the beginning of a unit, but how can we do this regularly to keep that curiosity going? That's a tough thing because day in and day out, you're trying to spark these kids' curiosity uh, on a regular basis. So, um, you know, part one is how do we do that? Yeah. And, and like, you know, and I, I want to make sure that we, we don't forget to, to sort of mention like how long it took us to try to unpack that piece alone. And that's just one of the three parts of the framework um, for, for that. I want to say the better, better part of five years, I was focusing solely on sparking curiosity and, you know, lesson flop after lesson flop after, oh, you know, one successful one uh, here and there. It was like trying to unpack, like, how can I do that consistently? But then, you know, then came this other issue that once we were like feeling good about sparking curiosity on a regular basis, like we were engaging our students. It was great. Kids were like enjoying the class. They were, you know, disappointed when the bell went or they, you know, the the best compliment you get is when the bell rings and they go, wow, that was fast, you know, in a math class instead of like, oh, thank goodness it's over. Yeah. So that was great. And that's so important. And we don't want to downplay that by any means. Um, that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of intentional um, reflection and planning. Um, but what we realized that over time, and I know you experienced this too, is like, so we had these kids that were fully engaged, but what we had noticed is really the only students that had increased their student achievement, meaning like their actual mathematical performance in our classes were the students who were completely disengaged in the first place. So we were able to like engage them and bring them into the, into the fold, which is great. That's a huge win. But none of the other students, the ones that were, you know, we'll call them compliant maybe or, or just, you know, your more studious students that, um, you know, show up every day and, you know, maybe they're, you know, they want to get high marks or whatever their motivation might be. Um, they were doing whatever we told them to do anyway. Like those students, like they, they didn't, you know, their, their grades didn't decrease, which is good. But we were kind of like looking like, wow, like we were hoping there would be a payoff for everyone here. And, uh, and that's when we realized that we were leaving all of the sense making on the table. Like we had, we had poured our hearts and souls into curiosity, which again, don't regret it, but it took us a really long time to realize that, oh my gosh, now that we have their, their attention, how are we going to help them actually make sense of this math? And when we talk about making sense, we're not talking about, hey, like, here's how you do it. Follow these steps and you're good to go. Because that that was how I learned. And that was, you know, really how I got my degree in mathematics was like through memorization of procedures and algorithms and formulas. And uh, and we knew that only some students in our classroom are able to do that, that form of like memorization. Whereas like there was always going to be some kids left behind 
because they just needed to understand like why we're doing what we're doing. And and, in math class of all places, there's always a reason why. But the, the sad reality was that, you know, guys like you and I, John, just didn't know why certain things worked. And, and we just had a lot of work to do there. So we call that the fueling of sense making. And that's that second part of the yeah, framework. For sure. Uh, like thinking about like all of that, like why, why are we, so why are we sparking curiosity to begin with if we can't change how they're learning the math so that it's more memorable to them? Um, and not memorization is what I'm talking, not what I'm talking about, but memorizing those moments that, you know, they can remember later in the math that goes with them. So uh, fueling sense-making, a huge piece of our framework. And like you said, uh, I, we think for for a few years there when we were we were starting this engagement journey uh we were missing that uh we were we were getting engagement with sparking curiosity but then leaving that whole sense making piece behind uh and just turning back and uh delivering a standard kind of a lesson uh not helping them make sense of of the math any more than what we had done in the past Right, right. And th- and then that leads us to our to our last piece. I you know, I'd like to say, you know, if you've got sparking curiosity and fueling sense making down like those are two big heavy right. hitters. Um but then the, the real difficult part is now thinking about the big picture, right? And and that's where this third part of the framework comes in and this is what we call igniting your next moves. And and really when we say next moves, we mean like teacher moves and there's so much that goes and like so much planning and reflection and intentionality that goes into planning these lessons that, you know, we want to try to make connections from like one lesson to the next. And we want to make sure that we're not just connecting from one lesson to the next in the same uh, topic or concept or chapter, but that we can actually like show that mathematics is like pretty interconnected. Um, so we've got to do these moves, like moves before the lesson, like thinking about kids, what ha- like what they have, what they what they're bringing with them uh, moves during the lesson. Like, what are we doing as right. kids are do- like solving problems? And that's a huge class. And then where do we go? next? Yeah, that's like the moves during the lesson are are pretty huge. Like what uh, I think we take it for granted when we were in teachers college uh, or teacher education programs. Uh, we had to we had to think about those a lot, and I remember writing a lot of stuff down about what I was going to say, what I was going to do, and then as you we get more comfortable in our teaching, we we lose some of that. We're like we're going to go in. Uh, I I can't remember the last time I wrote a lesson plan uh, to say what I was going to say uh, because you feel like you can go in and just uh, I don't want to say wing it because you, you've got a lot of experience behind you, but that's what we're doing. We're going in and we're not carefully thinking about the questions we ask our students um, and how we ask those questions. Um, it also means like, how do we structure our classroom to get the most thinking out? Um, like we said before, like most of my lessons before were structured around me thinking and them just listening and regurgitating later. But what are we doing? What are our moves that we're making? What, what can, how can we set up our classroom so that we can get them to think more uh, than us thinking. Uh, so that's that's right, uh, right. that's igniting next moves. It's a big piece, and it's not it's not the like it's not a third piece. It's not like in order. Even though sparking curiosity kind of comes first before we can fuel sense making with our students, 
But then it's not like igniting your next moves comes after that. It's that's not the case. It's just the third thing we have to think about. And in in reality, it kind of comes first. Uh, we definitely have to think about. I, I was just going to say that, like to think of how you're going to spark curiosity, you've got to be think that's like mm, a before right. move, right? Like, a, what are we going to do? Like, what's the learning goal today? And what am I going to do? What context makes sense for me to sort of work with to try to draw them in so that I can do some teaching after they've done right. some and, and this is this these three things are huge you know they're they're what they're what we've been thinking about for years um trying to perfect and we're not there yet we're trying to uh we're trying to get there and we want to we want to help you uh do that too we want you on this journey with us uh, and so that's what this podcast is going to be about it's going to be about how can we do these things in in our in our classrooms um how can we spark that curiosity on a regular basis what what are the moves that we can do for n- next moves and and how are we feeling that sense making we want to we want to help you as much because if we can help you we're helping more students and that's that's one of our our biggest things if we can help more students then we're changing the way math is viewed in the world um and and that's a big yeah. a big goal of ours is to help help change the way math is viewed for sure. Well and and let's be honest John like I I agree like yeah we we definitely want to try to you know touch as many students um mathematically as possible but in reality too like I I want to say like you know being the selfish uh, guys that we are like we are getting the most benefit out of doing this podcast because I just think about you know the conversations that you and I have had to try to organize our thinking about our own lesson planning, like our own teaching, um, we like are going to benefit the most from this process. So like, we're so, we're so excited to be able to, to have this opportunity to, you know, reflect on our own practice, but also share and also really give, give you folks, the people listening, the opportunity to, to connect with us too, because, uh, you know, these first few episodes, although it's going to be you and me going back and forth about some of these big epiphanies that we've had and, you know, our three-part, uh, framework and really trying to help people better understand what that looks like or sounds like in their own class. But we have some big interviews coming up with some big names in the math space. And, and we also have some episodes with math educators who, have a challenge or, or, you know, just like it could just be a question that we're going to try to work through together. Like, you know, try to, try to build on the collective, uh, the collective expertise of the three of us. So, you know, you, John, Mm -hmm. myself, and then the guest who comes on and, and really just try to try to wrestle through an idea in a mentorship role. Uh, not that you and I will have an answer for them, but rather to, you know, just kind of, you know, throw, throw these ideas out there. And, and really we're hoping the people at home are going to be thinking about these things as well and, and sharing them back with us through, uh, the blog, which we'll be sharing shortly or, you know, through, uh, through reviews on iTunes and really just trying to build this community so that, uh, so that we can all work together to try to better our practice and just you continue. Right. Learning. And I'm so excited for this because because uh, we got these this this great these great episodes coming up, uh, we can't wait for you to to hear them. So, you know, so in order to uh, ensure you don't miss out on these new episodes, and as they come out each week, we're going to be putting one a week out. Uh, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, whatever podcast platform you use. Also, if you're liking what you're hearing, please share the podcast with a colleague and help us reach a wider audience by leaving us a review on iTunes. 
the show notes and links to resources from the episode, um, which means we're going to put some links to what we've been talking about, uh, to the website, uh, to uh, we have a, a four part video series we want to share with you, too. Um, you can find all those on uh, makemathmoments.com slash episode one. That's makemathmoments.com slash episode and the number one. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to make sure like you got to come back for episode two. Um, we're going to be diving deeper into the framework. Um, and, and in this next episode, we're actually going to go to our number one go-to tool for sparking curiosity. Again, like John, you had mentioned earlier, these are big, big, big pieces of this framework. Um, so we're only going to be sharing like one tool in this next episode uh, for sparking curiosity, something we call the curiosity path. But like John already alluded to, if you're not interested in waiting until then, like you just can't wait and you want to dive in real deep, um, we do have that four-part video series available to you. Uh, It is up and it will stay up. Uh, Initially, it came down for just a short while and we had so many people asking about it uh, to get it back up so they could share it with their colleagues and, and work on it during PLCs. Um, So what this four-part series is about is about building resilient problem solvers who don't want to stop learning math when the bell rings. You can get that free four-part lesson series at makemathmoments.com forward slash lesson one. Again, makemathmoments.com forward slash lesson one. So until next time, I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. High fives for us. And high fives for you. If you are a district leader of mathematics, a math coach, a math curriculum coordinator, a superintendent and principal, getting teacher buy-in for effective math teaching practice is top of mind and plans only go so far you can make you know detailed plans and and carefully designed goals with clear objectives and key results that are measurable but that can feel like it all falls flat if we can't engage our teachers in the work working with teachers who do not want to change their teaching practices is one of the most frustrating and challenging parts of our job How do I help teachers engage in effective teaching practices when they keep pushing us away? If you can't reach the tipping point in mass adoption of effective mathematics teaching strategies, then it's it's likely we won't see student improvement in mathematics. We have a free training, uh, an accompanying workbook for leaders of mathematics like you. Uh, the The Make Math Moments team, myself, John, and Kyle walk you through our four-stage process uh, we use with district partners to create clear, measurable, sustainable PD action plans, but more specifically on how to also get teacher buy-in so that it drives student engagement. So step one, register for this free training, get your planning workbook, um, and then watch the training. Schedule some time on your calendar so you can watch it and go through the workbook. After completing that workbook, you're going to have a clear, measurable vision, action plan for mathematics to get more teacher buy-in, but also be able to hit your goals for the 2024-2025 school year. So head on over to makemathmoments.com forward slash four stages to start this free training.